Hello, this is Nathan P. Butler of Cloud City Casino. I am the Baron Administrator's Assistant, the Baron Administrative Assistant, the Administrative Assistant to the Baron, whatever you want to call me, the co-host with Michael Morris of Cloud City Casino at StarsReport.com. And in our recent episode, we talked a lot about PlayStation VR. We talked about the financial side of things, the technological side of things, about the experience and the experiences in particular that Michael had in coming down to try it out and some of the experiences I've had with the system itself. Well, in that episode, I also promised to stop and take a quick look at many of the different games that I've had a chance to play or demo for PSVR so that you can get a sense of what games are out there that may be of interest to you, what may be worth picking up, what games might tip the scales on whether to pick up a PlayStation VR headset at all, and so on. So we'll take a look here. My wife and I, between us, have picked up 12 games total. Thank you very much for this being a birthday time for me. Uh, and we also have had a chance to play through the demos from the PSVR demo disc that comes with both the $400 base headset version and the launch bundle that also includes the two move motion controllers, the PlayStation 4 camera, and PSVR World. So, for the games we actually own and can speak more specifically to, let's start out on the low end, because prices vary wildly across PlayStation VR games. Let's start at free and work our way up to the full-priced $60 game. So we start with the one free one on this list, The Playroom VR. You may recall the game The Playroom with its cutesy little robots that was released as a free download to go along with the PlayStation 4 camera. Sort of augmented reality stuff. That was nifty enough, but anyone who's played it would probably know that it got tiresome after a while. It was just kind of goofy. Well, Playroom VR takes it up a notch and gives us much better experiences, quite frankly, in a set of different mini-games that you can play, all that utilize VR. Now, some of these are fun to play with on your own. You can earn uh, uh, coins that you can then use to get little trinkets and whatnot to, to uh, get stuff in the game. You can also earn trophies in the game that can go all the way up to a platinum and so forth. Lots of stuff to do. But where it really shines is its way of using asymmetrical multiplayer. I may have said uh, asynchronous multiplayer in the show. I can't recall. It is asymmetrical multiplayer. Asynchronous is when you get multiplayer where both people don't have to be playing at the same time. Like playing a card game like Ascension on a mobile device and you take your turn and you just leave it and then eventually the other player will get a chance to take a turn and then it just passes back to you whether they're sitting there while you're playing or not. Asymmetrical multiplayer is more like what you get with, say, Zombie U, where two different people are playing multiplayer together, or more than two, but their experiences are very different. In the case of Zombie U back on the Wii U, which is a great example of it, one is somebody playing basically castle defense type stuff and holding the gamepad and tapping on places on the map to send out zombies to kill the other players, whereas the other player is playing on a standard controller in first person, fighting the zombies as they go. So that is asymmetrical. In this case, one of the best Playroom VR asymmetrical experiences is one that makes use of the social screen aspect, where your TV is going to display most of the time what the person is seeing in the VR headset, but not always. And this is one of those not always cases. One person will be playing with the headset on, acting as the monster coming to destroy the town, kind of like Godzilla, 
And then other players, up to four with regular DualShock 4 controllers, are watching the TV screen, seeing the monster from a little bit further back, kind of an isometric view, and they're running around down on the ground trying to save themselves, stop the monster, and so on. So, some pretty cool little experiences. It's a little cutesy. Good stuff for kids. Good stuff when you got several people in the room to try out PlayStation VR and some of the cool things that it can do, particularly the social screen stuff that you're not really going to see uh, with the Rift, the Vive, the Samsung gear when your phone isn't exploding. And it's generally kind of a little fun experience. You're probably not going to spend much time with it unless you've got kids or a lot of times having a lot of people over at once. But hey, it's free. Might as well go ahead and check it out. Moving beyond that, we get into $10 games. And there's one that I can recommend and one not so much. The one I can recommend probably is Eve Gunjack. This is a game set in the EVE Online science fiction universe. The idea is that you're on a mining rig in space that is coming under attack. So you hop into basically a gunnery pod, very much like going into one of the turrets on the Millennium Falcon, and your little pod sticks out the side of the mining rig, and you're blasting away at the incoming ships. Essentially, you're sitting in the rig, you're aiming by looking in the direction you want the crosshairs to go, and you're firing regular weapons or special weapons with the triggers on the DualShock 4 controller. Uh, There's not a whole lot to it. There's a lot of different levels you can play. It's a nice little time sink and whatnot. There's some bonus things that you can do, uh, but the gameplay doesn't vary a whole lot between levels. The enemy types get a little tougher and get a little varied, which is nice, but... It is a $10 game, so I would say for a $10 game, you get a little more content than I would have expected, but don't expect a whole lot because it is a $10 game. On top of that, also for $10, we have Hustle Kings VR. You may be familiar with the Hustle Kings game, which is available on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita. Those are actually cross-buy. Buy it for one, you get it for the other. Uh, PlayStation 3 had Hustle Kings able to be used with the Move Controller, one Move Controller to control your pool stick, because Hustle Kings is a pool game, you know, eight ball and so forth. And in that sense, it's a familiar game to many of us. On PlayStation 4, you can just download the game, the game itself is free, but then if you want to play in VR, you pay 10 bucks for the Hustle Kings VR add-on. And what it does is allow you to play in VR. You can play with the Move Motion Controller. Again, just one, not two, though, which is a little bit awkward. Uh, and you're playing basically standing there at the table. So you can lean down and check out your shots, lean down and check out the table, kind of walk over and take better looks at the table and so forth. It's a decent setup. You feel like you're in front of basically a real pool table. It feels solid. It feels like it's the right dimensions. That said, using only one move controller is a little wonky to try to use it. And then you've also got the fact that there is another game out there just released a week later called Sports Bar VR. I've not had a chance to try that out yet, but it includes things like air hockey, darts, uh, all kinds of other little mini games, plus a pool table. And it lets you use two move motion controllers instead of one, which would probably feel a little bit more on the natural side. So, if you're a big fan of Hustle Kings, Hustle Kings VR, 10 bucks, no-brainer. If you're just looking for a good pool game, you'd probably get more for your money if you spent 20 instead of 10 and got Sports Bar VR instead. Then we've got some $20 games. In fact, $20 games tend to be the bulk of many of the more popular games on PlayStation VR right now. The biggest is the one that we hit a lot in the show, which is Batman Arkham VR. It is a quick 
game. You can get through it if you know what you're doing within about an hour to an hour and a half. Then you can go back and do a second playthrough to find all these little Riddler clues and whatnot throughout. But the game itself is going to only really occupy it for about an hour and a half to four hours, depending on how you play, how versed you are, and what you're looking for, and so forth. But it's incredibly immersive. I mean, you feel like you're Batman. You are using his grapple gun, his scanner for evidence. You're using uh, his batarang. You're uh, putting on the cowl and so forth. There's a lot to be said for the immersiveness of the experience. This is a game people are going to use a lot to demonstrate the power and potential of VR gaming to other people. Uh, I would say that it is one of the few games for PlayStation VR that is, even though it's short, at 20 bucks, it is an absolute must-buy for PSVR. Also coming in at 20, we have another game that we talked about a bit on the show, Until Dawn Rush of Blood. Until Dawn Rush of Blood has some slight elements carried over from the Until Dawn game that came out a while back, the horror uh, narrative game with the butterfly effect and everything uh, causing your choices to change the course of the story, which is a great game. I would certainly recommend it to anybody who's into story-based games. But this one kind of issues story, and instead, it's basically an on-rails shooter. Literally on-rails, because the idea is that you are on a roller coaster, essentially. You're taken through some safe areas to shoot some little targets with your little BB guns, but then somebody flips a switch, and you're going down the terror side of things, and everything gets a little bit more dangerous, you wind up having real weapons to use, so to speak. You have people coming and trying to kill you. You have all kinds of weird, scary things happening. You have blades coming at your head. Uh, it's pretty immersive, pretty fun, and it's also got that motion from the roller coaster side, so it feels like you're actually on a ride instead of staying in one place while you're doing this fighting. If you have two move motion controllers, you can use those as your guns, and I would highly recommend that instead of a DualShock 4 controller. Uh, this one I found really, really fun. It has some good, scary moments from time to time for those who are into that sort of thing, which I am. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend Until Dawn Rush of Blood, but it is certainly not for the faint of heart. Along the same lines when it comes to killing creepy monsters at 20 bucks is the Brookhaven Experiment. The Brookhaven Experiment is a game designed around essentially zombie waves and such coming at you. And the idea is that you are essentially standing in one place. You've got your gear around you, so to speak, which you don't interact with or anything, but you're standing there and you've got your weapons and you need to make sure that you kind of stay quiet as much as you can because you can draw creatures and the enemies can come at you from any different direction. And we are talking any, 360 degrees around you, so you got to be careful. You're going to be turning, doing a lot of shooting, doing a lot of that you know, action movie, holding out both move controllers like guns to either side of your body so you can point in two different directions kind of stuff to save your life. And in this game, bullets make a huge difference. You're going to want to try to kill at least some of them with a knife or by turning around your flashlight and bludgeoning them to death because if you run out of bullets, you are just screwed. You are completely screwed with no bullets uh, because you only have the option to get more bullets between levels, between scenes. And the other option between scenes is, oh, let's take my health back to the maximum. You're choosing between the two options. A uh, very cool game, though. You have a flashlight you can use along with the gun. Uh, you have the ability to throw grenades that really kind of feel natural as you're throwing them, though they do bounce a little bit weird. Uh, I found it a very fun game, but uh, it's a little more strategic than it looks because you do need to manage your ammo really, really well. And it's a little bit creepy when bigger monsters come out at you and they are looming over your head and you have to kind of point upward to shoot them in the face 
to get them out of yours. So personally, I'd recommend the Brookhaven Experiment, but I'm a big zombie and horror game guy and dig survival horror. So for 20 bucks, that may be asking a tiny bit much, but I personally am really enjoying Brookhaven Experiment. Speaking of $20 and horror, we also have Here They Lie. Now, Here They Lie is going to be a little bit different. Whereas Batman has you standing in one place or moving around within a very small diameter of an area. And the same thing applies to Brookhaven Experiment. Or you've got Until Dawn Rush of Blood where it's controlling your movement on rails. This is the first of these games where you're actually controlling it with the DualShock controller and you're moving around with the left stick. And you're turning either by looking or by clicking on the right stick. Though it doesn't move you smoothly, it's more like blinking your eyes and you open your eyes and you've turned a little bit to try to help with simulation sickness. Uh, this is a game that's been giving a lot of people simulation sickness. It's very much shades of gray, not a lot of high definition to the textures on most things, and it's just kind of a grim, grimy kind of world. You couple that with moving yourself at kind of a weird pace with the stick and the odd way that you turn, and it does tend to make people sick. Uh, you've got to very much get used to it. In my case, when I played, this is the one where when the character is walking, I was actually pumping my feet on the ground as if I was walking so that I could sort of convince my body not to get sick because the motion that I was perceiving wasn't matching what my body was feeling. Uh, that said... The first chunk of this game is incredibly dull. You're basically walking around in an abandoned city waiting for something to actually happen. Once you do get into the scares, there's quite a few jump scares, weird creatures, and the 3D audio and the weirdness of the setting make for some cool, creepy moments. But it's definitely not going to be for everybody. It's really for those who are really into horror games, who are less prone to motion sickness or simulation sickness, and are willing to really stick it out and play for a bit before you actually get to something that you find interesting. For many, it'll be, I play for five to ten minutes, I haven't seen anything interesting, click, I will never play it again. So for 20 bucks, here they lie, it's a bit of a stretch. Probably wait until this one drops in price. Also for 20 on a completely different emotional mental gameplay track is Wayward Sky. Wayward Sky is essentially the story of a girl whose father is captured by basically a giant robot when their plane crashes, and she's trying to save him. And you're essentially playing in two different views. A lot of the time, you have this view in front of you of the entire landscape, and you're pointing and clicking to send the character where you want her to go. Assuming you're using a motion controller, you can just point and click. And then when you get to a puzzle to solve as opposed to just navigating the different parts of the landscape. When you get to a puzzle to solve, it'll jump to first person, and you'll do things like flick switches, uh, turn valves, uh, switch different parts around so that they match, and things like that. Very simple puzzles, but you are manipulating it with two motion controllers using your hands to do it. It's a relatively short tale. It's a cute tale. It is a kid-friendly tale, which has not been the case for most of these games I've been mentioning. Uh, and Wayward Sky really, to me, gives hope for this type of setting, this odd little thing where it's like you're sort of sitting in a chair as a god, looking out at this 3D environment spread out around you as if there's a giant table in front of you where all this action is happening, or a train set, or whatever, 
And you can manipulate it and watch it, but then switching into views when the time is right to do more manipulation as the characters themselves. It gives me hope for things like miniatures games, perhaps, done in this way. Uh, even board games done in this way. You know, a virtual reality chess type of game. Something like Battle Chess or the old Star Wars chess where the figures actually fight each other after you move them, but you're reaching out and actually grabbing and moving the chess pieces. Things like that. Uh, it's a cool view. It's much much less likely to give anyone simulation sickness because of the motion style that is barely existent because you're watching other things move rather than you moving yourself or being moved. Um, I would say it's one that if you've got kids who are going to be playing this or if you like point-and-click puzzle games, Wayward Sky is going to be one definitely to check out. Again, it is 20 bucks right now and ends the $20 category. Now, we didn't pick up any games that are 30 which moves us onward to the $40 category. This includes one game that we checked out, and it was worth it for the most part, which is PlayStation VR Worlds. PlayStation VR Worlds really isn't one game so much as it's five short games, uh, different experiences, kind of like a demo disc to show people what VR can do, but they're a little bit more time-consuming than standard demos would tend to be. Uh, but don't expect anything very lengthy out of this. You have Ocean Descent, that's the one most people are referencing when they talk about PSVR, uh, where there's multiple modes of going down basically in a cage, like a shark cage, to look at various things underwater, with one of the modes being one that includes a great white shark. Uh, very immersive from the standpoint of being able to look around and see the, the ocean around you, the different fish and whatnot that'll even come up and float in your face and whatnot, but not a lot of actual gameplay to it, more of an experience than a game. That also includes VR Luge, which is really probably the least technically sound of the different games or demos on PSVR Worlds. You're basically doing a luge, right, laying back on a board with wheels and zipping down the interstate or various mountain roads and whatnot. And you're controlling it by leaning your head. It's all right. Some people got simulation sickness from it. I did not. For me, it was more just kind of boredom. Is sort of always the same. Uh, it's very hard to dodge cars, but don't worry about it. You'll just zip right underneath the car as if the car model never existed. And because it is 3D, stereoscopic 3D, slightly lower resolution than straight HD with the uh, different resolution per eye and whatnot, and you're moving very quickly, the draw distance is pretty horrible. You basically look like you're zipping down the street and what's around you looks like the street and what's down past your feet in the direction you're heading kind of looks like a town made of Play-Doh. So not a very technically sound demo. I mean, it's nifty, I guess, in concept, but an execution didn't work out so well. Then you've also got the Scavenger's Odyssey game. You're basically walking around in a mech or a ship, kind of a mech slash ship, as an alien, and you are going out to investigate uh, this region of space and whatnot. Uh, sounds pretty cool. It's got some pretty cool things you can do as far as controlling things in your environment with your mech suit, leaping from surface to surface and whatnot. Uh, it's pretty cool little exploration thing and lets you get a sense of the freedom of movement for the most part, within a VR environment. But therein lies its downfall, because for many, that freedom of movement is going to make them really, really nauseous. So again, this is one you have to sort of train your brain for over time. The more you play these types of games, the more your brain gets used to the idea of simulation sickness and what's causing it, and will accommodate so that you don't get sick anymore, at least not much. But playing this for the first time on PSVR Worlds was certainly something that was going to cause most people's stomachs to turn. 
You also have on that disc a game called Danger Ball. My wife loves this one. Think of the old game Pong, but imagine that instead of that being just a two-dimensional surface, instead it's three-dimensional. And it's more like looking down at sort of a shoebox kind of thing, where the paddle is moving around on these small side surfaces, long end surfaces uh, of the shoebox, and the longer stretch of the shoebox is like a hallway that is the gaming area, and the ball is bouncing back and forth from the ends of the shoebox to the other through that hallway of the shoebox. Now imagine that instead of looking down on it, you are sitting on one of those ends of the shoebox, and you're controlling the paddle on that face by moving your head. It's sort of Pong where your head moves the paddle and you're facing the other side. Um, you're controlling it entirely by moving your head. My wife got actually really good at it because you can put spin on the balls based on the way you smack them with the paddle that's projected in front of you. It's a fun diversion. Cool little game. Not sure how much longevity you're going to get out of the game, though, because that is kind of all that it is. It gets progressively tougher, but that's about all there is to it. The real highlight for many of us on that PSVR World disc is the London Heist. And the London Heist is basically a gangster story. You are a gangster uh, or a, a thug. You're working for this mafia family. They want you to steal a diamond. Things don't go as planned, and you wind up in a couple of big shootouts. Unfortunately, only a couple of big shootouts. But when it's going, those shootouts are quite satisfying, uh, including one that's uh, wild driving, and you can do things like open up your door and look behind you or look out the window. Uh, you can grab cups and such that are on the dash and throw them out the door so you can clear off the space in front of you to hold magazines for your weapons and such. Uh, it's fun. Really immersive. One of the best examples of using the PlayStation Move motion controllers for control within a VR environment. But again, it is very short. So PSVR World's 40 bucks. That price tag may be a little tough to justify. At about 30 or 20, I'd say an absolute must buy. Right now, it really just kind of depends on how sold you are on the idea of the immersiveness. Um, I would say maybe pick it up if you have people who have different tastes in the family who might want to try different types of games. Maybe worthwhile for that. And at some point, you definitely need to try out the London Heist. But that's really the only must-play on PSVR World. So 40 bucks, uh, use your judgment there. That moves us to the $50 range and Rigs, Mechanized Combat League. This is one of the things some people are thinking may be the killer app for the PSVR that makes people buy the system. I'm not sold on that yet, but it does have great, great potential. Rigs is basically a sports game with different types of sports that you play while in mechs. So you're running around in these mechs, these rigs, and shooting other rigs and trying to take them out while you're also trying to play a sport. Uh, it reminds me very much of playing Rift in the game Destiny. And it's a sci-fi setting with a lot of shooting and killing going on, but there are sports aspects to what you're doing, not just straight up uh, team deathmatch, which is one of the modes, essentially. It's got a full-blown uh, career mode for single player. It's got the same thing for multiplayer. There are things you can do, like hiring people to play on your team for single player. Um, you can get sponsorships and whatnot. You can buy different rigs and advance your status and everything. Uh, it is a really fully featured game. And at 50 bucks, instead of 60 bucks, I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't go for the extra 10 bucks in cash. That said, this is the one that for me had the harshest hit of simulation sickness of all of them. 
because you are controlling your movement. You can control your turning either by using the stick or by turning your head as far as rotation goes. It depends on which setting you turn on. Uh, it does have a filter that narrows your field of vision to supposedly help with simulation sickness, but I found that made me feel even more ill. Um, and it's a relatively fast-moving game. They even had to go through and take one of the animations out so that it's a thing you have to manually turn back on, where when your rig explodes, you're launched like an ejection seat into the air and are basically floating up there until you choose a new place to deploy a rig, and then you zip down to that point. That was causing some serious simulation sickness issues, so they made it so that from now on, basically when you die, it's a black screen until you respawn, unless you purposely go into the settings and turn off that blinder. Then you see yourself launch into the sky. Again, remember these are all stereoscopic 3D, so that is quite a trip to see. I don't know about this one. If I can get past the simulation sickness, I really am eager to throw myself into rigs because it is a fun scenario and a really cool concept. But how many times will I be playing these little five-minute matches and feeling like after four minutes of a five-minute match, I'm ready to stop because I'm about to barf all over my controller? Um... It's going to be tricky. Some people will be able to jump into rigs, no problem, no simulation sickness, but it's really, really going to depend on the individual. I would highly suggest trying out the demo for rigs, either from the PSN store or from the demo disc, before you actually buy it. I would not buy it like I did when you buy the system without actually trying it out first, because you're really going to want to get a sense of where your simulation sickness threshold lies before you try to jump into one of the mechs in rigs. That leads us to the $60 game level, and there are two of these that I picked up. Then we'll just hit on any other oddball items that I could glean from things like the demo disc for you. We have Battlezone. Battlezone is a $60 game, and it's basically reminiscent of the game of the same name that it's essentially a remake of from way back in the 80s. Uh, think of the tank battles in Tron, essentially the original. Tron. You're in this Tron-like world in a big old tank, one of different types of tanks you can choose, and you're engaging in tank versus turret slash tank slash jet slash whatever type combat in various scenarios. You can play online multiplayer, you can play co-op online, which is cool also, uh, and there's a single player campaign that you can do, and the idea is that in the campaign mode there's all these different, uh, basically, little, I guess they're octagons or hexagons, uh, I forget which, where you basically have these little tiles on a map. And there's your starting point, and there's the enemy that you must defeat to win all the way across the map. And the idea is that you need to proceed across that map, and there are things you can do to make it easier to win or to resupply your vehicle by going on certain different, somewhat out-of-the-way parts of the map. But the more detours you take, the longer it takes you to get to the end. And every time you finish work on a map, every time you finish playing on one of the map tiles, the enemy's power rises. And as it rises, it will substantially increase the threat and the enemies that you fight in any subsequent parts of the map. Thankfully, you can choose a long, medium, or short campaign, but even in short, it can get really, really brutal. This is not really a game for those... Uh, who get frustrated by having to restart a game or looking for something that's not a challenge. Because with limited lives, this is a tough one uh, to work through without other people playing co-op with you to strategize with. That said, not much in the way of simulation sickness, great immersion in this weird Tron-like world, and the potential to be, again, one of the killer apps 
for PlayStation VR. A lot of sites saying this is the game that proves virtual reality has arrived, though I would argue that's more of a Batman Arkham VR type of thing. Or our last title here among the ones that I picked up. Uh, so Battlezone 60, I would say for less than that, a definite buy. For 60, yeah, you might wait for it to go on sale, but it is a good one to try out. That brings us to Eve Valkyrie, not Eve Gunjack. Same universe, though. Still the Eve Online universe, based on the online massive multiplayer game that's been going on forever, it seems. Valkyrie is a space starfighter combat game. No more, no less. There are historical missions and whatnot that you can play as single player. There are various things you can customize with your ship and whatnot and your, your character as you progress. And then you got multiplayer. That's the bulk of it. Multiplayer, space, combat in a starfighter. You're flying around, blasting them with your cannons. You're aiming your missiles using where you're looking and firing them off with another button on your controller. And basically dogfighting and dogfighting and dogfighting and dogfighting. That get across is basically a dogfighting game. Uh, it does involve microtransactions, though. You can sort of pay to win. To some extent, because you can buy basically gold, whatever you want to call it. You can buy currency with real money that's meant to be spent on cosmetic things in the game, but you can switch between currencies through like almost like an exchange rate kind of thing. So in theory, you could turn spending real money into things that give you a, an in-game advantage, not just a cosmetic change. Um, I haven't tried that out myself. I haven't really done much with the gold that came with it or the, the in-game currency that came with it to start with. But just bear that in mind. You might find yourself feeling the need to do some microtransactions and those who just fall victim to that very easily, I would I would say this is one possibly to be careful of. Um, that said, you don't really need it. Very much like Battlefront, it tends to be more based on skill than it is on your progression. Progression isn't as big a deal, though it's certainly more of a deal here than it would be in Battlefront. Um, and it looks good, you know, and it plays well. So if you like Starfighter-type games, like playing the Fighter Squadron mode in Battlefront, and you want to be playing from inside a cockpit, but in a way where your view is not limited like in Battlefront, where you can really turn around and look around the cockpit, look through the, uh, the, the bubble, so to speak, that you're in, and see the enemies coming at you from the different sides and whatnot, uh, this is a really, really cool one to check out. And it feels great sitting in the Starfighter cockpit for Eve Valkyrie. That said, again, it is a $60 game. But if you're going to pick it up, I would pick it up sometime in the near future because at least for right now, when you pick it up, you get the free Founders Pack with it, which includes some gold, includes a special emblem, includes a special title you can use on their message boards, includes a special legendary ship, includes special uh, pilot gear that you can wear, and so forth. So if you're going to get it, now would be a good time. Or if you pick up a PSVR later, hunt down one of the earlier copies uh, that hasn't been opened so that you're not dealing with any codes being used or anything like that. Um, but I would definitely say that Eve Valkyrie is one that is living up to my expectations, although after Battlefront, I don't think my ex expectations for a combat game are super high. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I think that it's one that you would probably enjoy. It's probably the one game out of all of these that I would say probably does justify its $60 price tag. Even Battlezone only comes close to it, and I'm not sure about Rigs because of the simulation sickness issue. But Eve Valkyrie is 60 bucks and feels like a full game, which is what you would expect for a $60 price tag.
That said, microtransactions suck. So kind of unfortunate that they wound up going that route. Now, there are plenty of other games that are out there that are available, some of which are available on the demo disc. On the demo disc, uh, they've got a listing for Bound and for Super Hypercube, neither of which actually has a demo, which kind of sucks. There's a demo for Tumble VR. Tumble VR is basically kind of like Jenga in reverse. You're trying to build things that don't topple as opposed to pulling pieces out of something before it topples. You have a Headmaster, which is all right. Seems like for what it is, it's basically like a soccer simulator where you're banging balls with your head constantly, which sounds a lot more suggestive than it actually is. You have Job Simulator, which is sort of a weird... A very surreal type experience of sort of trying to do various jobs as if you're trying to simulate being a human being, which is odd, but there is a demo of that on the demo disc. Uh, There's a demo of Res Infinite. It's Res taken into VR. I've never understood the fascination with Res, but for those who like Res, it is a really good version of Res for what that's worth. Uh, There's Ganog, G-N-O-G, which has a demo that bored me so much that I backed out of the game within a matter of about a minute before starting. Uh, There is a demo for Resident Evil 7, known as Kitchen, uh, which there's really not much gameplay in, but it gives you a sense of what survival horror can do and really kind of makes me eager to see Resident Evil 7 because you'd be able to play that entire game in VR or not, depending on your preferences. Uh, There's a game called Thumper that has a demo on the demo disc. Thumper is basically you're a space beetle zipping down a space beetle track and doing things to match what you see on the track and to music. It's a rhythm game, but done in VR. You can play it outside of VR, but it looks really cool zipping down that track uh, in VR. And you don't get too sick because you're looking at a focal point, which is that little beetle-looking thing. Uh, there are some other demos, I would say, that aren't really demos. Uh, on the demo disc, there's Alumet, which is like this weird animated thing where you're watching the character in a 3D space of animation, like the land is in front of you and she's walking around on it. It's kind of weird, but it shows, you know, storytelling in a VR space as being possible. There's a Harmonix Music VR, which is a demo of a thing that lets you use your music. Uh, Within, which is a a video service type thing where you can download these various VR-type video experiences to check out, which didn't really impress me, but might impress some. Uh, And I guess the last one I would hit is one that is, it's on the expensive side. It's at $40. So it's not as expensive as Riggs or as expensive as EVE Valkyrie or Battlezone. But it's also more expensive than most of the titles that we looked at that I was recommending. Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, uh, Batman Arkham VR, and so forth. And that is Drive Club VR. They really, really were hyping up this idea that they've taken the Drive Club experience that you get from that game that is known for very good graphics and being a good driving simulator type game and made a new game with its sort of DNA, so to speak, exclusively, specifically, for PlayStation VR. And what you get here for 40 bucks is a lot of different driving experiences that you could try, but a game that for, for a game whose franchise was known for its great graphical fidelity, 
that's gone. Drive Club VR, when you're inside the car, the inside of the car looks like about PS3 era graphics. Anything outside the car could be PS3 or PS2 era. It's just muddy looking, uh, especially at a distance. I would say PS3 up close, PS2 at a distance, if that. Same issues that VR Luge has. Um, it feels like it plays well. If you like driving games, it could be a fun driving game to try as you're racing around the tracks. Uh, it gives some simulation sickness, it seems. Uh, I'm hearing that a lot of people were having issues with simulation sickness with the full game, but not with the demo. I didn't experience any with the demo, which makes me wonder if I'd experience it with the full game. Um, but given the fact that Project Cars is coming and Gran Turismo is coming, both in VR in the relatively near future... Drive Club VR is going to be one of those where if you absolutely must have a driving simulator VR game now, pick it up. But you're spending 40 bucks for it. Whereas if you just can hold off for a little bit or just content yourself with the demo of it for a little while, then you'll be able to get either Project Cars or Gran Turismo later, the latter of which especially, will probably provide a better experience for you more than likely. Uh, I'm not a racing game guy. That's just my impression, having played each of those a little bit, except for Project Cars. Um, and it just, this feels like, uh, it feels like you should be putting on the VR helmet and feeling like, wow, this is awesome. This is this brave new frontier of gaming. And when I played Drive Club, it felt like it was just the same old driving with a visual fidelity that didn't live up to what it should have. That was my impression from it. Um, but you are inside the car, zipping around, holding the steering wheel with your controller. Whatever. So definitely not one that I would probably recommend, but that's just not my type of game usually anyway. Um, again, plenty of other ones out there. You've got thing, cutesy things like Waddle Home and Ace Banana. There's a VR mission tied into Rise of the Tomb Raider called Blood Ties. There is the rather bizarre 100-foot robot golf that has a VR mode. The interesting game, uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, where one person wears the headset and is looking at a bomb and having to manipulate it and disarm it, and the people who are sitting outside of the headset watching the TV screen are the only people seeing the instructions on actually how to disarm it, so you have to talk the person with the headset through disarming it so that you don't all explode, so to speak. Um, you have the uh, sci-fi life simulator loading human. You have another sci-fi mystery type story adventure thing called the anomaly. I believe is what it's called. Or the, the anomaly or the assembly? I guess the assembly. It's yeah, the assembly. Um, you have sports bar VR, as I mentioned. You have Super Stardust Ultra VR, which takes the Super Stardust gameplay and then every once in a while will drop you into a first-person view that's much more like Battlezone to be able to play. Um, lots and lots of different varied experiences. Again, running anywhere from free, which is rare, to $10, also kind of rare, to 20 which is relatively common, all the way up through 60 though there's not a lot of full-blown $60 experiences yet. And of course, eventually, we will get that special add-on for Star Wars Battlefront, which will be the Rogue One X-Wing VR mission. No, mission singular. Relatively short content, we're assuming here, uh, for free as part of just the Battlefront owner experience for PlayStation 4. So... With all that said, hopefully some of those maybe sounded interesting. Hopefully if you were on the fence for some, I've helped you sort of tilt on one side of the fence or the other. Lots of great experiences out there for PlayStation VR, but not all are going to be for everybody. In fact, I would say a lot of these are very niche, especially stuff like the survival horror games, which have great potential in VR and have shown up in the launch lineup 
in far greater numbers than we usually see for a new product line, but which are hit or miss. Everything from really fun things like Until Dawn Rush of Blood and what we got with the kitchen demo and whatnot, to things that are fun but a little more rote, like Brookhaven Experiment, to the things that may be cool experiences but probably make you want to puke and bore the crap out of you half of your time playing like Here They Lie. Uh, it's really going to come down to personal preferences here. Definitely, definitely make use of that demo disc, but unfortunately not all of these are going to have demos. I would argue that more than any other gaming console in the past or gaming experience in the past, playing demos is an absolute must for purchases of VR games. Don't just assume your body and your eyes are going to be able to take it. Give it a try first. And you'll find that also your experience will vary as you get more used to VR. But don't try to do like me. Don't try to jump into rigs on day one. You're going to wind up not being able to eat for a bit because you're afraid that it's all going to wind up on your shoes. With that, I'll head out of here. If you want to see any live stream Let's Play type videos of the games that I've mentioned, as far as the ones that I own, including a full playthrough of the entire Arkham VR experience, the Batman experience there, check out my YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash user slash chronoradio. C-H-R-O-N-O-R-A-D-I-O. Chrono like chronology and radio all run together there. I'll be putting up more live streams as I pick up more games and as I play a little bit more of things like Eve Valkyrie. As always, you can find Cloud City Casino on StarWarsReport.com or at Cloud City Casino on both Facebook and Twitter. Thank you all for listening, and I'm out of here before Michael turns off the lights on me.